immaturity. It's a problem in our society, I think. Um, Through the years, I've talked to individuals and couples that are um, maybe having problems in their marriage or in a relationship or maybe struggling with finances or vocational schooling issues, uh, that kind of stuff. And on too many occasions, as I'm listening, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, this is an issue of immaturity. You need to grow up. You know, immaturity gets us in all kinds of problems, saying immature things, making immature decisions, acting in immature ways, And I think sometimes we just need to grow up. Hebrew writer in Hebrews 6 says, let us go on to maturity. I mean, that is full of so much possibility. And as Christians, we are called to mature. And we're called to mature in every single area of our lives. In fact, I believe spiritual maturity is foundational to growth in every area of our lives. It's why Faith Fellowship exists, is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ because we know that our eternity is based there. It's kind of, it's the core of, of what we do and why we exist, is to help people grow, help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And what happens is they grow in the other areas as well. And that's what Ignite's about. It's about making our relationship with God a a top priority. It's about growing up, uh, becoming spiritually mature. It's about full integration. Giving God our, our total heart. It's allowing God to influence absolutely everything. How we act, how we feel, how we respond. And it's not just saying But it's what we think and it's what we do. I was with a group of buddies a while back, all pastors. We were together, we were watching the Cardinals and Pirates uh, last season. And uh, I wore my pirate. I was the only pirate fan there at the game, I think. But uh, we were watching the game. And we were talking. And we got talking about leadership challenges and about... uh, what was working in ministry, what wasn't working, talked about the best books that that we had read, uh, things like that. It was kind of pastors gone wild, okay? (laughs) You know, that's about as wild as we get, I think. One of the guys in the group, he was really interested in how Faith Fellowship got started. And so what happened was the questions kind of centered on, on this church. And... After quite a few questions, one of the guys goes, how many people at Faith Fellowship are all in for God? And all the guys got quiet. They, I kind of had their attention. They were waiting to see. It was like an E.F. Hutton, those of you that remember the commercials. That's how it felt. And so with my kind of characteristic on-the-spot brilliance, I said, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I did. I said, I, I, I don't know. 
Now, do not misunderstand me. I think this is a great church. I think Faith Fellowship has done some amazing things in a very, very short history. But friends, that's a tough question. Spiritual maturity is really difficult to assess. I mean, in Major League Baseball, you know who the big boys are, right? You you look at batting averages, percentages, ERAs, and the stats speak for themselves. In business, you, you figure out who the players are by performance, by profitability, by expansion. The numbers prove it. But in the church, figuring out who's for real and who's just playing games, who's all in for God and who's not, that's kind of a tricky assignment, really. Let me ask you, how would you have answered that question? How many people at Faith Fellowship are all in for God? Let me put it a different way. How many people at Faith Fellowship are spiritually mature? Let's turn the heat up a little. Are you one of them? Not sure? Well, I think you've got to have something to assess things, uh, give you a better perspective. And that's what I want to do is look at some of the marks of spiritual maturity, marks that set spiritually mature Christians apart from other people. Things like knowledge, character, commitment. Those are the big three. Here's what hit me as I was sitting down trying to put a message together. That as I started thinking about those three things, I started realizing that I've kind of changed over the years. In fact, I've made some serious changes over the years in the areas of knowledge and character and commitment. As a kid, I grew up in the church. And we moved a lot, so I was part of a lot of churches. But I remember wondering why some people like got involved in ministry, would teach Sunday school, those, those types of things. And why some people just hung out at church, you know, attended. And then tried to figure out why some people came and then they were gone. They just left. And I remember trying to figure out why some Christians were held in high regard and others weren't. And as I look back, I, I guess what I was trying to figure out was who was spiritually mature. Who was serious about their faith and who was just playing games and kind of blowing smoke. When I first got in ministry, it it was clear to me early on that biblical knowledge was important. That a combination of biblical knowledge, Christian character, and commitment were absolutely necessary to set someone apart in the church. That part was clear. It was true in the churches I grew up in. It's been true in the churches I've served And I'm going to guess that it's been true in churches throughout history. Knowledge, character, commitment. They they kind of emerge as the big three marks of maturity. When I was young, um, someone would come on the scene, and if they kind of demonstrated a uh, 
kind of commanding knowledge of Scripture, if they appeared to be leading a, a clean life, had their house in order, in other words, if they gave evidence of, of commitment to the, the mission of the church, in other words, was willing to work and sacrifice for the cause of Christ, that person, in my mind, was spiritually mature. In fact, there were no further questions for me. If that person had the big three, I considered them all in for God. Case closed. No need to pursue any more questions with them. Thirty years later, now I'm dating myself, aren't I? (laughs) But with a lot more life experience under my belt, I kind of think if it was only that easy. If it was only that easy to assess spiritual maturity. You know, Paul writes, he says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. I think the reason why I said what I did at the game that day, I'm not sure how many people. Are mature at faith fellowship. I think it's because I've learned kind of the hard way that it is very, very dangerous to try and judge spiritual maturity by, by some arbitrary set of outward standards that uh, I think it's more complex than that. That spiritual maturity is much harder to get a handle on than most people think. And that, that's why, as I look, I think I've shifted over the years. Now, don't misunderstand me. I still believe it has a lot to do with the big three. Knowledge, character, commitment. It's just I'm more careful about how I define those particular areas. Let's take biblical knowledge, for instance, okay? In my younger years... I was in absolute awe of Christians that had a command of Scripture. When I met someone and they could recall a lot of Scripture from memory and just pour it out, when I got around someone like that, I got around someone that had their their degree in theology or they could talk in detail about Augustine and Luther and Wesley, kind of like they'd had lunch with them the day before or something, I'd think, wow! You blow my mind. You, this is a mature Christian. They, they've worked hard. They, they, they're growing in their knowledge. They've got a good base. This person's all in for God. This person's a heavy hitter for God. And, and I was aware early on that God's word is packed full of scripture that talks about the importance of biblical knowledge. That's why David talked last week in detail on, on this because it is so important. It's a necessary part of maturing, having a biblical basis and being able to recall that. I think about scriptures, uh, Paul writes, he says, study to show yourself approved to God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So here's what I assumed. If someone was overflowing with biblical knowledge, that they were mature. They were mature Christian. And... Then I grew up. 
And I'll be honest with you, I wish I hadn't. Because to my astonishment, I discovered that people were fully capable of stuffing their cranium full of facts and figures and stories and verses and never let the information impact their lives, impact their decisions, impact what, what, who they were. I'll never, I'll never forget, the, it was very early in my ministry, and I was sitting with a guy one time. And this guy knew a lot of scripture. He was kind of a biblical database. And so as we're talking, what, what I know is his life was a train wreck. I know he was abusive with the people that he worked with and that were around him. His family, relationships, they were trashed out. And that's really putting it kind of mildly. And he could use scripture to shred you and cut you, just like a weapon. And I remember sitting and listening to him. And I was young at the time. But he was kind of ranting about all the ungodly people in his life. And according to him, everybody in his life, and I do mean everybody, was ungodly. I remember after listening to him for a while, I just kind of gently reminded him that God's word calls us to love people. That God's word calls us to control our anger. That God's word talks about healing the relationships in our lives. That we're commanded to do that. And friends, he came undone. Each time it kind of deflected. Uh, and I, I think his response kind of exposed the real position he had in his life. Because it was like, you expect me to love these people? You expect me to control my anger after what they did? You, you want me to work on putting these relationships back together? And, and it was as though he looked at me, and he didn't say this, but his, his words and his expressions screamed it. You really are clueless, Pastor. You don't have a clue. You're just young. And friends, I can remember it was in that moment that I think I'd kind of shifted from a young pastor to a pastor that I wish I just had never had to go there. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, this guy really believes that the key to spiritual maturity is stockpiling biblical data. That Christian growth is achieved by accumulating knowledge. I thought about the time Jesus kind of approached a bunch of uh, spiritual whizzes, you might say. They, they knew it all. The story is in uh, John 5. You might want to read it later this week. But Jesus basically goes to the Pharisees and he's like, you, you know what? You, you guys know scripture inside and out. But you don't know me. You know the book. There were scrolls actually at that time. You know everything that's in the scrolls. 
but you do not know the author of the scrolls. You're knowledge junkies, and you're missing it. You're missing the whole point. You're missing eternal life, and you're missing the abundant life. Now, I want to be absolutely clear. Biblical knowledge, doctrinal awareness, a theological understanding are important in your Christian walk. In fact, they're vital. So much so that you will never become a mature Christian without it. It's absolutely essential to spiritual growth. It provides a foundation for living. It keeps you from being tossed around in in this world that kind of has a worthless philosophy. But accumulation of spiritual data must be accompanied with an increasing desire to submit to it. To submit your whole life to it. To have absolutely every area over time that you give to God and you submit to the author of that book. Who are the spiritually mature? From, from a biblical knowledge point, okay? From that perspective. Who, who is it? Well, it's, it's people that read and, and study God's word. That submit themselves and arrange their whole lives around those truths, around those guidelines, those instructions. It's those that weigh the kind of modern day mantras that are out there and philosophies and, and see how it squares with God's word, with, with the Bible. You know, it's people that when they face uh, those moral crossroads, and you will in your life, when it's private, nobody else knows, you choose obedience to the word of God instead of the sinful way of the world, the pleasure way, the easy way. The mature people that build their marriages raise their children using the Bible as a blueprint. It's people that manage their bodies, their money, their resources, the way that the Bible teaches us to do that. The mature are those that hunger and thirst for a greater understanding of God's word so they can develop a greater love for God. It's people that study God's word privately, daily. People that are in a small group studying God's Word. It's people that make being here a priority on the weekend so they can worship. And mature are those that say with the psalmist that I love your words. You know, I follow your laws. I meditate on them day and night. On the basis of that definition of maturity, in the area of biblical knowledge... Where would you put yourself? I'm going to give you one of three categories. And just put yourself there. Are are you a spiritual infant? You know, you're just starting out. You have a tiny bit of knowledge. But no real dedication or obedience. Maybe you're a spiritual adolescent. You're growing in your understanding. You're getting the biblical principles and understanding. You're kind of getting them under your belt, starting to learn them. But obeying, listening to those guidelines, allowing them to penetrate your life, it's kind of pick and choose. That's what adolescents do, right? How many of you got adolescents? 
They pick and choose. They pick and choose. They have to learn. They have to work through that. Or, I mean, is that you? Or have you crossed that line to spiritual adulthood where you love God and God's love has touched you so deeply that you are all in on this one? You return that love through worship. You return that through what you do. In fact, you trust God so much that you say, you know what, God, I know that your word's true. I know whatever you convey through scripture, your words will determine how I live each day, my decisions, my priorities, my relationships, my attitudes, you know, how I handle my, my money and my resources, my morality will be determined, my sexuality will be determined. Everything in my life will be determined by your words. Because, God, I know you want the very best for me. And I submit my heart. I know it's the only way to experience the abundant life. Friends, that's the commitment of the spiritually mature when it comes to Scripture. I mean, is that you? Because that's the target that Paul talks about. Let's talk about the second of the big three, character. Character. I mentioned earlier that when I was young, I would observe someone from a distance, and if they appeared to be living a clean life on the outside, if they looked like their house was in order, that was good enough for me. They passed the character test. I mean, if they didn't uh, like manifest some, some obvious thing, if the red flags didn't go up, I would think they're spiritually mature. And then I grew up. And I wish I hadn't. Because I can't tell you how many times it all looked good on the outside. At first glance, looked looked like maturity, character solid. And then I would discover it actually was just kind of a cover-up. Carefully concealed. Concealing a very troubled, confused, sometimes rebellious inner person. Now Jesus talking to the Pharisees, and this scripture just rings in my ear these days. It says, in the same way, on the outside you appear good to everybody. But inside... You're full of hypocrisy and sin. Jesus says, you look good on the outside. In fact, you go to great lengths to project the the squeaky clean image. But inside, it's a mess. You know, Jesus says, we've got to work on that. I mean, these days when, when I list character as a mark of maturity, I am not much interested in someone who looks squeaky clean in their life. Looks squeaky clean on the outside. In fact, I'll be honest, I I waste little time with the person that tries to project the perfect marriage, you know, the Brady Bunch type family, the, the perfect life. Because what I look for are people that are willing to freely admit that they've messed up. 
that they fouled up. They're willing to say that to God and to a few close friends, not the world. In fact, they don't try and present themselves as like the fourth person in the Trinity. You know what I'm talking about? See, I believe godly character is willing to freely admit that they've done wrong. That in humility, they're willing to say, you know what, I've, I've messed up. I'm messing up. has a lot more to do with a repentant heart and attitude than creating this illusion. And it is an illusion, by the way, of spiritual perfection. Which I think turns God's stomach. Because it's just this fabrication. It's not true. A person with character doesn't gasp at the horror of uh, the sins of other people. They don't deceive themselves into thinking they're incapable of, of taking that same plunge in their life. In fact, I believe a spiritually mature person seeks to restore and to forgive brothers and sisters that have went down that path. Because you know what? In the back of the mind of the mature believer, they know apart from God's grace, they could be in that same place tomorrow. Now the mature believer, I think, submits themselves to the Holy Spirit's work inside them, trying to transform them, to change their heart, to to allow God to work on the inside. I think a mature believer lays awake some nights and thinks, you know, God, please change my attitude. Please change my heart. Change my motives. You know, who who are you when nobody's looking? Who are you? Do you manifest character when you're not in this building? Do you manifest purity when, when nobody's around? Do you manifest compassion when nobody's taking note and going, oh, look what they're doing? You know, do you manifest integrity when you're at work? Do you play everything straight in all your dealings? You see, someone who's moving towards spiritual maturity, I think, walks around with an awareness that God is always watching and always there. Spiritually mature people feel it's okay to express sadness in life, frustrations and confusion, to grieve. Because you do all that, see it shows our humanity, still clinging to God's word and to God's truth, that God can be trusted, that God's on the throne, no matter how deep the valley is. See, that's character. Here's my question. Are you a spiritual infant in respect to character? You know, one way around church, another way at work with the crowd, chameleon, you know, always changing colors according to who you're with. Are you still in infancy? Because I'll be honest, you should have left that a long time ago. Are, are you a spiritual adolescent 
You, you manifest character most of the time if the cost's not too high, when it's convenient, when it works. Or, or have you crossed that line to maturity that, that says, I am so grateful to God for who God is and what God has done for me that I am all in. I will to the best of my ability in every situation that I face, no matter who's watching, no matter what the cost is, I will seek to please God in my decisions. I will seek to please God with my attitude, with everything that I say and do. I am all in, God. Because that's the target. That's the aim. That's what I want to be like. And I believe we all can do that with God's help. There's one more commitment. Let me ask you, do you believe that you can be spiritually mature without having a fierce devotion to the cause of Jesus Christ? I mean, what do you think? Is it possible to claim that I really love God and yet show little or no evidence of commitment to back it up. Hmm. Are you committed to obedience in every single area of your life? Are you committed to purity? Are, are you committed to the church? You know, it's something we talk about. We're getting ready to do uh, member orientation here. But... It's something we talk about. I mean, the, the question is, are you committed or not? So, some of you are committed to clubs, fraternities, leagues, all kinds of things. We commit. I mean, man, are we committed. You're in the inner circle of commitment. But you talk about church commitment? Eh, that's not that important. And I wonder, what's that say? What's that say about our commitment to God? What's it say about our commitment to the cause of Jesus Christ? You know, I don't know about you, but I do not want to stand before God and have God ask me, Hey, Damon, what did you love enough to join? I want to say, well, the church. Because if it isn't the church... Friends, I'll be honest with you. There is no other organization, no other fellowship, no other community that makes my heart beat harder. It should make your heart beat hard. I mean, sometimes you just got to grow up with this. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't have anything against clubs. I don't have anything against leagues and all that stuff. But here, here's what I know. Is that in eternity, none of this stuff's going to matter. Your commitment to, to Christ is what's going to matter. That's all that you're going to look at. It's going to be crystallized in a moment. You know, I am absolutely positive that a commitment-free Christian is not much of a Christian at all. Historically, dedicated Christians have shown this remarkable level of commitment for the cause. They have abandoned promising and lucrative careers to serve the poor and the oppressed. 
They have endured persecution through the years, ridicule, even martyrdom. Risked their lives for the gospel. Why? Because they're compelled by the love of God that they've experienced in their life, and they are fully committed to that. I've asked this before, but if, if all of a sudden Christianity was outlawed in this country, and you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence, tangible evidence, to convict you? Now, I know this type of message does not sell well in our society today. Why? Well, we live in a commitment-free society and culture. Don't get married. Live together. You know, don't, don't commit your schedule. Why? Just wait and see if something better comes along, right? Don't jump in, nibble a little, check it out. Jesus said this, he says, if anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, I don't know about you, I read that and it's got commitment all over it. Now, I would say there's a few of you I need to kind of have the other conversation with because it is possible to commit so much that you start neglecting the really vital areas in your life. And I've seen it. I've watched people trash marriages, families. In fact, I've watched people just dry up and die inside because they're not committing in a healthy way, not committing in a God-honoring way. In fact, commitment kind of becomes like a punishment. That's not what I'm talking about this morning, okay? Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Mature Christians have uh, legendary levels of commitment to God and to the cause of Christ without kind of crossing that line into something that's very unhealthy, very destructive, uh, that sucks the life out of you. In fact, it sucks the life out of everyone around you if you go too far with it. But I think mature Christians learn the balance there. They, they learn to do what Jesus did. Because there were times Jesus got on the edge of that and he realized he was wearing down, that he, he had to break away. And so he'd just say to his disciples, let's go out on the Sea of Galilee. Let's take a hiking trip up in the mountains. Let's break away and see family and friends. And he'd go see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Friends, by learning healthy confines in your areas of your life when it, when it comes to commitment, I think mature Christians learn how to stay strong. Learn how to avoid that, that shrinking heart. They learn how to protect themselves from drying up. In fact, they position themselves in a way that life's joyful. That they're effective in kingdom service over the long haul. Okay? You know, position so that they can run a marathon. And not just sprint and then collapse. And I wonder, where are you with your commitments in life? Spiritual infant? 
kind of casual, little or no commitment, see, see what feels right? Or is it kind of spiritual adolescent where you're committed until it becomes too inconvenient? Or have you stepped on across the line to maturity where you're committed? And, and I don't want to sound sensational when I say this, but you're committed to the point of death. You're willing to lay down your life. You're willing to lay down anything and everything in gratitude for who God is and what God's done. That's all in for God. So, curious, as you think about it, I want you to think about the three areas. Knowledge, character, commitment. Infant? Adolescent? Mature? See, it's a decision. Decision you have to make. Decision that you start moving toward. Maturity, and it's a lifelong thing. You finish it when you take your last breath on this planet. Are you going to give everything to God? All in. Now, I want you to just remain seated. Um, Band's going to come out and share. It's a song you are. And here's my challenge while they're, they're sharing. That in worship, you, you would just say, okay, God, and kind of walk through those three areas. Say, God, what would you have me do? How am I doing with knowledge? How am I doing with my character and my commitment? And it's okay. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you're, if you're an infant in an area, it's okay. We've all been there. But make a commitment to step it up. Maybe you're the adolescent in that area. Then say, you know what? I'm pushing toward. I want to I mature. Because it's the only way it happens. You know, one of the things we talked about the first week, it doesn't just happen. You have to decide. You have to take steps. So let let this minister to you right now.